We are a group of friends bound by our appreciation for liberty and good podcasting. Free-minded thinkers from all walks of life, our values come together with one accord to discuss the common culture and news of the day, along with whatever random crap is going on in our lives. Welcome to the Union of the Unknowns. Hi, how's everyone doing tonight? Um, Ism can't hear. Uh, I have a special episode for you tonight. Um, I'm joined tonight by the lovely Jackie. Hola. The, the lovely Ashley Think Change Repeat. Hello. And our token Brit, uh, not to be confused with JRR token, Terry from Canary. Good evening. So what I have for us tonight is what I'm going to appropriately just call the drug cast. Um, I wanted, I mean, we're going to touch on a wide range of topics here. Um, basically everything to do with drugs, the good, the bad, the ugly, the amazing, the fun, uh, the dangerous, the deadly. Uh, hopefully, we don't have an hour. Hopefully I'm going to get to all of this. So let's go ahead and have a start at it and what i wanted to touch on first and please everyone uh feel free to jump in here because there's i got a lot of numbers and everything um some of these numbers are going to be from the uk some of them are american it's really hard to find documented data on a lot of this stuff uh but where i wanted to start with was with just the tragedy of what we're doing to our children as far as giving them prescription medications. Uh, so when a lot of people think of drug, they're thinking of heroin and meth and these, the illegal substances. But keep in mind, drug is really just anything that has an effect on your body, whether it's ibuprofen, heroin, uh, Adderall, uh, caffeine, sugar, these are all drugs. Um, but what's really alarming are the number of children that we're giving these, these, amp uh, mainly amphetamines. That's, that's where I started this, uh, the overprescription of amphetamines to children. And then I came across some staggering numbers about giving children antidepressants. We were all kids here. Can any of you imagine being eight years old and being depressed? I mean, you might have a bad day here and there, but that's not what depression is. Yeah, that's no, crazy. Um, so some quick numbers. Let me pull this up real quick. Can I ask you a quick question? Why Please. are they prescribing amphetamines to children? What's the diagnosis then? So the diagnosis is AD, ADD or ADHD, uh, attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyper disorder respect. Why don't you give amphetamines for that? Wow. Uh, because we're... Life is too easy in uh, these first world countries. And instead of actually sitting down with our children and figuring out what's really going on with mm -hmm. them. I mean, in a lot of cases, it's just kids being kids. They're going to school, yeah. you know, they're sitting in a classroom for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, and they want to be kids. That's, that's the only time in life where you're bursting with energy. They don't want to sit still and listen to boring yeah. lectures hour after hour particularly true of boys right there's a sort of overall war on boys that seems to be going on because they don't like the fact that, you know, they absolutely can be jumping about and yep 
and it's it's definitely um boys are diagnosed with ADAD or ADHD more than women um so let me throw some numbers out here for you um so about 6.1 million children in the United States and this was last updated July 13 2022 uh from the attitudemag.com uh we, I will have Terry uh included in the show notes um, about 6.1 million children in the United States, that's almost 10% of kids, between ages of 2 and 17 are estimated to have ever been diagnosed with attention deficit hyper disorder or attention deficit disorder, ADHD or ADD, according to a 2016 study from the center, the CDC. Uh, in this percentage, 388,000 or 2.4% of these young children are aged two to five. Two to five. They are being diagnosed with a disease that is prescribed literal amphetamines for. Uh, 2.4 million, or almost 10%, are of school-aged children, six to 11, and another 3.3 million, which is almost 14% of adolescents, uh, 12 to 17. Uh, but that, to be fair, this is just being diagnosed. It's not necessarily giving them uh, drugs to treat it. Um, so for that, uh, we have uh, about 75% of children with ADHD in the U.S. undergo some type of treatment. 31% um, receive ADHD medication, which is amphetamines. Uh, so basically the theory is, is that amphetamines are going to have kind of the opposite effect of someone that doesn't have ADD, uh, which is, you know, to kind of focus them more. Uh, I believe if you don't have ADD, then you're kind of more scattered all over the place on them. Uh, I, I, you know, I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. I'm still not sure if it's made up or not. I can't, I can't say when I was a kid and I would have a cup of coffee, it really would focus me. And I wouldn't be like, you know, just going wild. But that's, you know, so 31.7% of children with ADHD receive medication, uh, amphetamines, and behavioral treatment. So that's at least something. Uh, so behavioral treatment, that's going to be, you know, sitting down with a psychiatrist or shrink and, you know, like, hey, what's going on? You know, are you acting out for any, like, is as something horrible happening to your life that needs you know taken care of or are you just a kid with too much energy and then here's here's 30 percent take adhd medication only that means that 30 percent out of these 10 million kids are just being thrown pills hey take this and shut up mm. and then you know um it's it i wasn't i wasn't i was putting all this together i didn't think i was gonna get as depressed as i am about it it's very um, depressed yeah and i can say personally when i was growing up you know and i was diagnosed with adhd like that was really something serious that my mom considered and it was kind of like i took it a few times like uh, i don't really like this and she never you know pressured me or asked me to again and then I got into my teenage years and someone told me that you can abuse them 
and then that you know whole nother story there uh it's an of age assent you know consenting adult there's there could be a lot of benefits if not just you know having a fun time over it well and uh, not to not to put you too much on the spot justin and and if you don't know maybe terry does but what are some of the effects associated with being put on that medication at that young of an age? Do we know? I mean, has there been studies done? Is there critiques done? Um, Do you mean like long-term side effects? Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe even short-term side effects of like, what does it potentially do? Um, You know, like maybe it affects the prefrontal cortex or maybe, you know, stuff like that, that we may not be aware of. Well, I can tell you that just in general, so amphetamines are addictive by their nature, uh, both physical physical and mental addiction, which, you know, a mental addiction is basically just like you're, you're craving it, like I need something. Uh, a physical addiction is your body craving it. So mm-hmm. it's, if you remove this from your, if you aren't taking it anymore and it's removed from your body, you're going to be suffering physical withdrawals, which can be anywhere from just, you know, kind of being a little anxious all the way up to basically flu-like symptoms to where, you know, you're having cold sweats, hot sweats, you can't get comfortable, you can't sleep, uh, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, the whole gambit. Um, and um, I mean, heroin um, is the classic example of that, I think. And I think heroin withdrawal can kill you if it's really severe. So I believe you're thinking of benzos, uh, which is a class of drugs that's going to include, you know, Xanax, uh, Klonopin, uh, really anything with a pen at the end of it uh, is typically going to fall under uh, benzodiazepine. Uh, So and those are the two most dangerous types of drugs in the world is benzos and alcohol, because these are the two types of drugs where if you do stop taking it cold turkey, death is a possible side effect. Uh, and a lot of people do not realize this. Um, so the, Jordan, Jordan Peterson actually had a benzo addiction where he actually had to go into treatment for uh, his withdrawals. And if I remember correctly, they actually put him in a coma for an extended yeah. period of time because that's, that's just how bad the withdrawals are. Yeah. Um, and then if you just, you know, just the the list of side effects for amphetamine granted this is amphetamine most of what we're prescribing kids are not amphetamines i mean amphetamine is a specific drug um but the drugs that we're prescribing are like adderall ritalin um methylphenidate um they aren't amphetamine per se but they have the same brain mechanisms as amphetamine does and it's interesting so, when they prescribe stimulants for, you'd think that would have the opposite effect because, you know, to my mind, someone with ADHD is, would need something like a tranquilizer to keep them sort of still and focused. It, right. It's kind of, yeah. And that, that's, a, that's, that's really what makes me wonder if it, it is real or not because um, it really does tend to focus people um, that actually have it than you know people that don't uh but at the same time it is very dose dependent so if you do take too much you're going to be you're still going to be pretty scatterbrained and you know uh uh what's the word i'm looking for uh like tweaked out 
because like you know is it something they're just doing to to deal with troublemakers in the classroom and, and try and keep them in line you know because they've given the teachers an easier life basically so from in my opinion in my humble opinion what i believe is that there is actually a a brain mechanism that uh creates add and it is a, a real thing however i believe that this is a minority of the population uh and we are just throwing these drugs at the kids just to get them to sit down and shut up regardless of whether you i mean <laughs> it's there's no if if that if 10 million kids have this disease then something's gone horribly wrong in in yeah. humanity yeah um so i do believe that it, it it is a real thing however i also believe that this is being wildly and wildly irresponsibly over diagnosed um yeah. just as the it's just really the easy button i can tell you that when my godson who's in his mid 20s now mid to late 20s now um was in elementary school they wanted to put him on ritalin and uh i told his mom because i was helping to raise him at that time but i told his mom no uh we're not going to put him on that he doesn't need that they just didn't even like call in for like have a therapist to have talked to him he just he dealt with um, being hyper because he was a young boy. And then also he had mm. issues with his ears. So it was hard for him to hear. And mm. so he probably could have been getting frustrated because of that. Um, and so uh, it was just kind of crazy, but I'm so thankful that we at that time were strong enough and told the teachers no, and just weren't like, okay, we'll just accept whatever diagnosis that you're giving and then drug him and make him into like a walking zombie, you know? Yeah. Well, and yeah. it is estimated that nearly two thirds of children with ADHD have at least one other condition. Um, and about 45% of those is gonna be a learning disorder. So even like dyslexia, um, you know, anything, anything like that um right which and, i got him a tutor around that same time as well right and it, it's a lot of these things are just so widely overdiagnosed. um a lot like antidepressants um which is back to the two-thirds having another condition um 32.7 percent of children with adhd are reported to have anxiety problems Another 16.8% have depression, uh, and 1.2% have Tourette syndrome. Uh, and children with ADHD are 12 times more likely to have loss of control eating syndrome, uh, a type of eating disorder similar to binge eating uh, in adults. Which I really believe that a lot of these issues are actually a cause from the drugs that they're taking. Uh, uh, I'll ask that question. <laughs> right. So if you pull up the um, side effects of amphetamines, uh, anxiety is listed as a common side effect. Uh, depression, mental depression listed as a common side effect. 
Uh, it doesn't have Tourette's listed as a common side effect, but um, it's one of those things where you're screwing with a growing child's brain uh, and you're making it you're making the brain and the body function faster than it should so i could totally see Tourette's being an issue from that as well and the loss of eating control syndrome i just have to assume so i'm sure everyone knows that amphetamines and stimulants are appetite suppressants uh but the body is uh, an amazing thing so once the effects wear off you're gonna be starving yeah. Uh, so what do you do when you're starving? You sit down and you eat a bunch of food. Uh, yeah. so if you're on amphetamines and this is, these are your forming gears as a child, basically what you're going to learn is you take a pill before school, maybe you eat a small lunch or something, and then, you know, you probably, you, you're probably going to take another one after lunch. And then probably around dinner time, that's probably when a lot of these drugs are going to be starting to wear off and you're starting to get really hungry because your body is running at, it's running, you know, at like two times speed. So you're also burning way more calories uh, and doing a lot more stuff. Uh, so you're learning in your formative years that basically you binge eat once a night. Uh, so that. It, it totally makes sense to me as just like, you know, one after another right there. Um, I, I was going to say, um, stealing Ashley's thunder a bit, because she often talks about this, that, you know, uh, I bet they're not really looking into the underlying cause of these things, if it is a real thing, you know, because, you know, kids are exposed to a lot of toxins in the environment, toxic environment in their schools, which is fucking up their minds and their spirits. So, you know, uh, and let's bring up the V word again. You know, a lot of kids are getting vaccine left, vaccines left, right and centre now with toxic substances in there. So, you know, maybe this is screwing up their brain. But possibly a, a, what would, might do more benefit for them is, you know, maybe getting them out in the fresh air in, in the countryside and, you know, doing some exercise and some sport. I don't know, old-fashioned sort of stuff. Well, and big friendships. You'll hear... I even, if I remember correctly, Owen Benjamin has the story of the doctors wanting to put his kids on ADHD medication. And if you guys don't aren't familiar with the Owen Benjamin story, basically he went out in the middle of nowhere, bought a farm, and started homesteading. And now his kid is learn like he's out there learning as as you know they're out on the property being with nature. And that seems to have really taken care of it. Uh, but again, we're just back to it's it's just easier, you know, take a pill and shut up. Yeah, it, it's they... really gross. Fiona and I, my wife, often talk about this. And, you know, we, like I was saying earlier on, it, you know, it's often boys that are targeted for this behavior because they don't, a lot of them don't really want to do sit still in a classroom and be talked at all the time or, you know, so getting them out on the farm doing sort of active stuff and looking after chickens might be just the thing for these sort of boys. You know, everyone's different and some personalities run to more an active lifestyle than others. And that's that's a big problem with the public school is that even if you're if you don't have ADHD, you're still learning as fast as the dumbest kid in your class. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I I remember in the eighth grade, I had a social studies teacher and for 50 minutes every day, it was just come in, sit down and write notes off a projector for 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I know those sort of ones. Like, eighth grade is what? 12, 13? Like 14. Like, it's, it's 13. It's just it's crazy. 13. Freshman is 14. It's just crazy what they, they're, they're expecting kids. And now it's coming out that while we spend more capital per student than any other country in the world, we have some of the worst results an alarming number of children coming out of school can't read at a third grade proficient level. Yeah. And granted, I don't think this is necessarily has to do with drugs. I think that's, you know, a side tangent. I think it's just really the failure of the public school system and, and incentives to add more administrators um, and just, you know, checking off kids so that the school still gets funding Uh, The teacher gets good numbers and and you don't have parents complaining and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But it is to do with drugs in that you're not going to drug your way out of this, the the issues that the schools have. You know, drugging the children is not the answer. Well, unless you want to create compliant little slaves, in in which case it's doing a great job. And what's interesting is in other places, I believe in China, they've done um studies and look i'm not gonna lie to you guys but i may not be right all the time uh (laughs) but i do believe that china showed that children that were taking adhd or amphetamine medications they actually score significantly higher on tests than kids that did not Hmm. so it really is one of those things where it's it's dangerous man because who doesn't want a, their kid to come home with, you know, look, I got all straight A's. Look how smart I am that, that, you know, then the parents like, oh, you know, that confirms me being a good parent. And, you know, it's, it's a wild cycle. Mm. And um, it's, it's really a gross topic. Uh, so, and like I, I, I believe I stated at the beginning that it's kind of hard to pull exact specific numbers uh, because it's something that I don't think that they want to be documented that well. Uh, but I pulled this from the United Kingdoms. Uh, it was pulled by a FOIA request. Um, for antidepressants, uh, children 5 to 12 years old, between the year 2015 and 2021, it had gone up 40%, which is a terrifying number. Um, so percentages, it's, it's only 1,300 to 1,800 children. But that's, these are 5 to 12 years, year olds. They shouldn't have some, that, that shouldn't be the case. If they had some sort of underlying trauma, like if they were molested or, you know, some anything like that throwing a drug at it isn't gonna work you need you got to put in the work um but that's a 40 percent raise so starting when they locked down for covid uh zero to 17 year olds so i couldn't find a lot of info on this stat because it sounds like we're putting babies that are between 
being birthed and their first birthday, they wouldn't have put it down as zero to 17 if there wasn't at least one child under the age of one that was giving getting antidepressants. Yeah. Um, 28,000 kids are now on antidepressants after lockdown began. Mm-hmm. That is... I can't, I can't even begin to figure out the math to work out that percentage is. Uh, maybe like a 2,000, 3,000%. It's insane. And <laughs> let's talk about the side effects of antidepressants. So first of all, we don't even know the mechanisms for how antidepressants work. It's basically one of those things like I think everyone knows the story about Viagra. It was it was started out as a medication for blood pressure. It didn't work. And then people started reporting like, hey, doc, (laughs) something's working down here. (laughs) Um, So we have no problem with throwing medic. Just, you know, just take it and see what happens. Uh, Basically, the what we've thought of over the last decades is that basically you have serotonin and dopamine levels in your brain, uh, depression, you know, kind of breaks the receptors and unregulates them. So you aren't able to produce serotonin like, like someone that's not depressed is. So a lot of these antidepressant medications are what's called SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Um, so basically, instead, Terry, please correct me if I'm wrong here, because no, I, right. um, I believe what happens is that the serotonin that your body is, your brain is trying to get rid of, is actually trapped back in that receptor. So you just build up serotonin. And that's theoretically what makes these drugs work. And that's why they can take, you know, 30, 60, 90 days to work, because you got to have that time to build up the serotonin receptors. Can I can I say something on that? Please. Um, the, that, that is, you're right, that is the conventional explanation of what's happening. There's never been any very good evidence for that. And there's That's been a- some recent studies sort of completely debunking that idea that, um, uh, and there's also been research done that, like I was talking earlier on, that, for example, walks in the countryside are more effective than SSRIs. That That's exactly where I was going. Um, right. It's... <laughs> It's it's coming out now. I think I think everyone's at least the competent professionals have always kind of known, but it's been known for a long time that exercise, eating right, you know, taking care of your gut health, these are all things that have had much more beneficial effects than antidepressants. And I'm not convinced that antidepressants aren't just a um uh b- b- placebo effect. No. And, well, they have a lot of side effects, so they're, they're doing something. And, and like you say, the, there are bad side effects, one of which is suicidal thoughts, isn't it? And the suicide rate amongst young people has been going up and up. And that's mainly the, possibly because they're on SSRIs. Exactly. And so, um, well, just let me get this out of the way real quick. My favorite side effect of antidepressants is something called brain zaps brain zaps so basically it's like your brain is being electrocuted that sounds healthy (laughs) 
awesome. But yeah, that reminds me of when they used to like electrify the people. What was it when they were in when they used to have psychiatric wards, and then they would go through like those. uh, They would try to like electric therapy. Yeah. Yeah, electroshock yes. therapy. I mean, it really goes down to um, what was it called when they'd like stick a spike up your nose and scramble your brains? <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> um, Brain scrambling. Uh, yeah. That was the same person that did the electrotherapy, I think. Yeah, it's you know, it's killing me that I can't remember what it's called. But they, but they realized lobotomies. That... Lobotomies. Oh, lobotomy. yes, oh, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. It really feels like all the same shit. Um, but yeah, they just it's, transformed it into drugs instead of something physical because it's uh, it's um, easier for people to accept. Oh yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to pay for rent on a property. You don't have to pay for hundred doctors. You don't have to pay for security. Uh, you just send them home with a bottle of pills. Way yeah. more cost effective. Especially, yeah, you're creating somebody that is now in the pharma pipeline, right? Because if you are on that medication, then you need to be on that medication every single day or, you know, you know, some people will play around with it and figure out what works for them. But most of the time, that's what it is. And then depending on the half-life of the medication and specifically with SSRIs here, you could be dealing with something that has a really short half-life. So if it, it can get out of your system quickly, but it doesn't, it, it's like, it doesn't leave the mind quickly. And that is where like a um, Cetraline or generic Zoloft is one with a shorter half-life. So it actually will get out of your body faster, but you can get the brain zaps really badly. I was on that one for a long time. And I, um, sometimes even if I forgot to take it for one single day, then I would feel the zap feeling and it's very, very, very bad. So I ended up I, sounds terrifying. I, it was ter- It was awful. It makes you feel horrible. So what I finally did was I decided that I thought that um, antidepressants were bullshit. And so I was going to get off of this and I had tried before, but I felt very bad. So what I ended up having to do is way slow roll, like slow walk myself off of this. So before when I had tried it, I had gone with the recommendation of a nurse practitioner And she recommended over, you know, a month or something like that, like this week, reduce here, this week, reduce here. And that was not effective for me. I felt very, very bad. So then when I tried to do it again, I ended up slow rolling it. This was probably over a a time frame of two years. And I mean, I even got to the point where I was cutting, I would one fourth it. And I think even finally cut it into an eighth where I was doing like 12 and a half milligrams of generic Zoloft every other day before I got off of that. And I still felt like I had suffered side effects of like not feeling well for months after that. And there's a, sorry. Yeah. Karen. There's just a lot of other side effects too. Like a, the, the big reason is because it doesn't fucking treat depression. No. <laughs> You know, I was I, say, my wife went through the same thing. She was on uh, Floxetine for a long time, 
thinking that would help with our MS, which it didn't really. Well, it, it may have done something, but we, we decided in the end she should come off them. And like you say, they were a real bugger to get off. And we had to, she tried to come off quickly like you did and got, got on really badly. We had to, we looked up protocols on the internet uh, and we're having to sort of, uh, like you say, slow roll it. I think it took a, maybe a couple of years to get her off it as well. And she, you know, feeling bad sometimes, it, they're hellish to get off. Yeah, so, and I think, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, we were talking off, off air about, you know, it, sometimes when you're addicted to drugs, it, you know, they're, they're, they're making changes in your body so that you can't just come off them. And even if the drug is not in the system, you've got some sort of dependency on them. So Yes, yes. Because once, if you, it even goes for like, if you're taking testosterone, once your body starts getting a and a, getting these hormones or chemicals from somewhere other than what it produces naturally, your body learns it can save energy not producing these hormones or chemicals anymore because it's already going to get added to it. So once you stop taking these chemicals that are that that your body doesn't produce naturally it's going to take some time for your body to actually get the receptors to start functioning again. Yeah. Because yeah. like a lot of these are mind altering drugs that actually physically change how your brain works. Yeah. The good news is that the human body is an amazing, like if you don't believe in God, just look at how amazing the human body is at healing itself it is insane uh but it, it's it's gonna take some time and if you're on antidepressants um if if you want to get off don't stop doing don't just stop taking these drugs right uh, do not don't do cold turkey at all it's it, it you might not have a bad time you may get suicidal thoughts and think it's a good idea to kill yourself to kill other people it's it is not good and that this should just be a testament to how powerful these drugs are in general that's true uh, they prescribe them like water sorry terry uh, i was just gonna say this was something we also mentioned offline that i'd be very interested to know how many of these mass shooters are on these sort of drugs and that never that, comes up yep that was going to be the next point is the this um SSRI to mass shooter pipeline. And I don't know where I've heard or seen it, but I believe that almost every mass shooter has been on some sort of psychotropic uh, drug uh, like Xanax or Zoloft. Uh, any of your, that's not how your brain works. Like, Suicidal thoughts is not an acceptable side effect. Correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's, I think all the way, going back all the way to Columbine, I'm pretty sure these are all children that have been on some sort of psychotropic drug that has altered how their brain functions. Uh it's, it's a societal problem. It's a pharmaceutical problem. It's a parenting problem. It's an education problem. 
Oh, uh, the other thing that I was going to say too, is that back to dealing with the side effects of SSRIs, I think that this could be intentional also, um, because maybe it does make the population more sedate. So you're creating lifetime customers, which we know that they want. You're creating a more compliant society, which we know that they want. And then also, I think it also ties back into the war on family, because I believe that it reduces libido and it can sometimes cause permanent damage to sexual function um, of people. And uh, there's even, you know, groups on Reddit and stuff like that about people who have dealt with this issue. It's, um, something sexual dysfunction. I cannot remember the name of it right now, but people who have taken these SSRIs and then they get to the point where they, they cannot really function sexually anymore. It's, it's a real problem for them, especially relationship. Is it impotence? No, it's not impotence. It's, um, it's called something else. Um, but, but basically it's probably called hell for men. (laughs) For sure. I mean, it's, it's definitely similar to that though, because people are, it completely derails their, you know, their sex life for them, which is a a huge, um, I think a lot of it, and this is just me talking out of my proverbial ass, but I think a lot of it's just you're slapping a Band-Aid on top of a gunshot wound. Uh, yeah. So, like, who hasn't... So, I might be... I hope I'm not spilling the beans here. But when men have sex, a lot of the times we'll try and think of something, that, you know, completely horrible in order to last longer. Um, so that's, that's kind of just my example of how the brain interacts as far as sex goes so like the the have you guys ever heard that the brain is you know like the biggest sexual organ on your body so i say so it's 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 like your brain controls everything so when you're messing with what your brain does you're messing with everything yeah yeah Yeah, i definitely think that there there is something to why they want people on these medicines and why they have made it so easy to prescribe. And if you look at people, um, like in my field, I'm able to see a lot of times if someone is on a medication because it needs to be a consideration for my job. And a lot of people are on SSRIs, a lot, a lot of people. And I think that like back to what you're saying, Justin, as far as uh, a bandaid on a bullet wound, Something that the good Dr. Paul says a lot is that we live in a financially bankrupt society, but we also live in a morally bankrupt society. And I feel like we're now in this um, feedback loop spiral of that because it's actually restoring the family and family values um, in a lot of cases. I think that can be healing, but we are continuing to stray further and further from that as we go. It's well, kind of interesting. Sam Tripoli talks about this a lot, but like when they had all the supply chain shortages and stuff like that, with the food and the baby formula and even just regular goods and services. But how come there doesn't seem to be any supply chain shortages on the drugs that they're and the vaccines and all this stuff that they're uh, funneling down our throats yeah, or in our bodies? There's no supply chain shortages in that. We don't, they don't even talk about that. For Adderall, there is now. There is a- really. 
Yes. Uh, Justin knows more about this, I think, but there is apparently an Adderall shortage. And then this is the other thing. No, that's a great point though. But the other thing is that a lot of the medication that is consumed here in the United States is actually made in China. So as they continue to sort of beat the war drums with bricks and things like that, they're really setting the United States and probably the West at large um, to be in a very bad situation if things go south with uh, getting your antibiotics and other medication from China. Now, that's very interesting. That remind that reminds me of the old British tactic that they used in China. They got all the Chinese population hooked on opium and then tried to withdraw the supply to try and sort of disable the population. So maybe they're going to try that, pull that okey-doke uh, on the US as well. I would not be surprised if there was something, you know, and I know a lot of people want to be on you know, on the side of assuming that the best of intentions are being used, but that's not where I operate from. So I operate from a place of that. I'm expecting them to do the most damage possible with whatever they're up to. So can, I don't know if I can call this a white pill. I'll call it a gray pill. So here's a fun fact for you fellas and uh, ladies. Uh, there's antidepressants in your tap water. Yes. Fluoride? Fluoride. No. So the, I think it's a two-part issue is that, one, a lot of people just flush their old medications that they don't use. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So uh, birth control, antidepressants, you know, all this stuff, it is actually in the water supply. So uh, in, the, in fact. Yeah, there's, there's, it, it affects the fish. Uh, it affects, it's, it's the whole circle of life. Um, so between people just flushing it down the toilet. And the other thing is that a lot of these drugs don't entirely metabolize in your body. So you're, as I know this is specifically true for birth control, is that if you're on birth control, not only is that just terrible, terrible, terrible for your body, but I'm a man, I'm not going to tell any woman what to do. Um, I'm going to tell you, though, that you're ruining our water supply because you're pissing out birth control into the water, which is then recycled into drinking water and sold as Dasani, and it goes in all the food and everything else. So uh, just be aware of what you're doing to the environment. Yeah, you're right. I remember reading that, that there was, um, you know, you could detect things like uh, fluoxetine in the water. It doesn't get taken out in the water treatment plant. Yeah, I mean, and I'm—I imagine you know, if you got like a triple filter system on your water uh, supply, it's probably okay. But uh, I think a lot of these things are going to keep building up and building up. As um, I mean, it's—it's it's, America is definitely the number one medicated country in the world. But I think all the other countries are starting to pick up on the uptake. Um, like, as I pointed out, uh, before the COVID lockdowns in the United Kingdoms, um, it went from uh, 1,800 children on antidepressants to over 28,000. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a common. I don't, I'm not going to, at this point, I'm not going to call it a global conspiracy uh, to give kids drugs so that everyone else ends up in taking them from the water supply. 
but I also believe that I have read articles uh, from people suggesting that the governments add these things to the water like they are already and have been doing with fluoride um, in order to make a more docile population. Yeah, and they want lifelong customers. They want people who are going to be getting medication from them every single month. Um, And the other thing that I wanted to bring up just very quickly about birth control is that that actually can affect a woman's uh, choosing of her partner versus like women who are not on birth control would choose ex-partner and then women who are on birth control. It's like it it messes with the pheromones and the hormones of the body and things like that. And it, it's not, you know, it, it causes changes. Is it, doesn't it just trick your body into thinking that you're pregnant? So it doesn't create more eggs. I don't know. I I don't don't think that there are two hormones that the woman produces when you get pregnant. I think the birth control pill is only using one of them. I can't quite remember, but I think that might be right. You can have estrogen, progesterone, um, is it oxytocin, one of them? Oxytocin is the feel good hormone. So that's not just associated with females, but progesterone, progesterone. Estrogen and progesterone are, and gotcha. those are our components of birth control. So you if can I'm, get a pill with both of those, can you? You can get a pill with both, or you can get a pill that may only be um, like progesterone based. If you happen to have a sensitivity to estrogen, sometimes it will make you sick. Um, yeah. Can so, I ask you about IUDs? Is it basically the same thing, but just like a... Um, uh, uh, like it just absorbs through a different way. So I'm not, um, a hundred percent sure. Transdermally. That's what I was looking for. I believe that. Yes. Um, that some, um, some of them IUDs can be hormonal, but I also believe that some of them are not emitting. Mechanical. Yeah. Right. Uh, in the old days, uh, I had a girlfriend with an IUD, a mechanical one, and um, I think it was it's kind of mysterious. I think it sort of works when they don't really quite know how, but it didn't involve any chemicals. It was right. Just a it, it's thing. right. It's not affecting the the hormone level at all. So I think there's some some yeah. of both out there. Well, I think one of the side effects of IUDs is death. Um, so I'm just going to throw out there a quick suggestion, take it or not, uh, human resources has also suggested this. Um, but if one of the possible side effects of a medication is death, maybe don't take it. I mean, talk with your doctor first. I mean, here's what I find with doctors. If you care, they'll care. Um, but most people are just looking for a quick answer. They don't want to do any work. But if you talk to your doctor, I think a lot of the times they'll be like, oh, well, if you're actually willing to go to the gym once a week, you know, like work with your like if you're on antidepressants, uh, talk to your doctor. It's going to take a lot. You want to wean off of them, take less and less over time, as Ashley was talking earlier. I don't know really anything about birth control. I really barely only know the basics about how women get pregnant um, or how any of that it's all gross. I'm, Avoid uh, pharmaceuticals. And then, uh, and I believe that Justin is being generous by thinking that your doctor will care. 
if I mean, if you got a decent doctor, uh, I mean, like try and build a relationship with your doctor. Kind of hard you know? to find. <laughs> yeah, I m- my faith in uh, physicians, nurses, especially after everything that's happened over the last three years, they're in my opinion, they're the enemy class. They're not to be trusted. Well, let me put it this way. If you care about your health, your doctor is more likely to care about it. Um, so like as, as you know, Brad Binkley will tell you a lot if you guys listen to the propaganda report. I know we're always talking about it. You probably get sick of it if you don't listen, but ask follow-up questions, like build a relationship. Um, because Advocate. one thing's for sure, if you don't care, they definitely aren't gonna care. Yeah, you need to advocate, you need to be aware, and you need to be challenging what they're trying to, to do to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll tell you something. If I have a great relationship with my doctor, personal, and then my with my mom's previous doctor who got wiped out by COVID, because um, a lot of his customers down here in South Florida were from Canada, right? So when Canada became a communistic country, um, they weren't able to come down anymore, right? A lot of the elderly people and stuff like that. And, and they had all the lockdowns and stuff. So anyhow, um, so when they had that, they, um, he lost it. So we got a new doctor and they have terrible bedside manner. Terrible. It's all about the numbers. It's all about just, you can't trust them to care or do the right thing and not even the front staff or anything like that. And so because of that, I am moving um, to, I had to change my mom's insurance back to a PPO from an HMO. And I'm just so I could switch doctors and not have her at this practice anymore. So as of January, we're taking her to another place and actually taking her to the doctor's office, I was telling you about my friend that passed away last year from a brain aneurysm. Um, so I wanted to say the rest, but I'm just not going to do that right now. Um, anyways, so, and they, the lady, when I mentioned her name, she was just absolutely amazing and super nice and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't care if I have to drive 20 minutes longer, it's worth it to go. It's worth it to have that doctor that's one thing that I'm afraid about by leaving Atlanta is like all the relationships I've built up within my where I get my car done and everything and all these people that you trust to do the right thing and it's like crap I'm gonna have to I'll be able to find it if I decide to move back here but um you know it's just kind of crazy but yeah that's super super important well I would I mean myself I don't go to the doctor like if you get, if I get sick, I'm going to, you know, have some chicken noodle and just relax. And, you know, you're like, I said earlier, your body is amazing. It's going to figure it out. I mean, if you got a broken bone or something, go to the doctor. Don't, don't try and reiki it. But I mean, I, I, I know that was a lot of black pilling for everyone, but I want to get to some white pilling. It's about and, time that's just the 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 great side of drugs um so i know we're in the age of covid so we we've talked a lot over the week so you know ivermectin hydroxychloroquine um drugs that actually save lives Uh, malaria is the number one killer in the world still and it is 
very easily preventative by a drug that costs pennies to pick up. Um, but that's kind of boring. I wanted to get to something a little bit more fun. Um, and that's more just the illegal drugs. Um, so obviously, you know, I view drugs as a tool, just like a hammer. Um, you can take a hammer and you can beat someone over the head with it, or you can take it and build a house with it. Well, I... I wasn't going to get to Nancy Pelosi's PP getting hammered, but I did think of it. So, and it's like, I'm going to start out on probably the hottest third rail, which is methamphetamine. Um, And, you know, it's that not only once, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, Here's the thing, though, man. Like, if we didn't live, it's this is all just my belief. Um, I've been a uh, drug advocate and user for most of my life. I am now 100% sober, exception cigarettes, alcohol, and kratom. Um, But these are things that have had profound effects on my life. And it's one of those things where you just have to use it as a tool. Um, So like methamphetamine, if if you grow up in a culture where these things are respected. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just um, throw out the Andes as a great example where the coca plant actually grows. Um, So the coca plant produces um, what is extracted into cocaine. Uh, But what the locals do is they chew on the leaves with a little bit of lime. So the lime actually acts as a base acid, not a, not a base acid, like base is in the opposite of acid, which makes the coca in the leaf more um, easily able to ingest into your body. And in these forms, it's really, I mean, anything can be addictive, but it's one of those things where used responsibly, it's a great way to get through a long shift uh, doing hard work. I'm not going to tell anyone to go out and use meth, but I'm just going to say that it's one of those things that has definitely been used responsibly um, throughout the years by people that can just take it, you know, I got to work a, you know, a 30 hour shift doing whatever. Um, and then uh, the other third rail of the drug story is heroin. Um, right now, like, the problem, the main problem with heroin right now is the fentanyl. Um, so that's that's a whole other route to go down as to where is this fentanyl coming from? Because the one thing I can tell you is that drug dealers don't want to kill their customer base. Uh, no one wants to kill their customer base. Um, but heroin is actually, uh, when it was first discovered, it was one of the greatest medicines in the world because there was nothing else of that that strength when it was created or when it was, you know, first produced from the opium. What was it created for originally? It's originally just a painkiller. So you have to remember, this is back before modern medicine. So if you get, uh, you know, a cut on your leg and it turns into gangrene, the solution for that is sawing your leg off. Uh, and 
not only is the process incredibly dangerous and painful, but shock is a real issue that if you go into shock, you can die from it. Uh, so being able to give someone heroin increases increase their chances of living. Does does that make sense? Yeah, I think it was used as an anesthetic. Yes, well. it does. It, yeah, absolutely. I still wouldn't want to take it though. <laughs> well, and that's I think that's really one of this cultural and societal issues that we have is that people aren't fundamentally happy and fulfilled. So there, I'm sure we've all heard of the study they did, uh, I think in the 70s, maybe the 60s, where they took a rat and they put it in a cage, or maybe it was a mouse, I'm sorry. And there were two water, bo water, water bottles. One of them was just regular water. The other one was water laced with cocaine. And basically what would happen is that the mouse would keep taking the cocaine until it died. Um, but later, they redid that study and they said, well, like, that's not a mouse's natural environment. Why don't we create an environment for it where it has friends and activities and things to do? And what ended up happening was the, the mice, they would try the cocaine water and they, you know, it's kind of one of the things like they'd start taking it, but at the end of, you know, the study, they stopped taking it because they would rather just spend time with, you know, doing regular mouse stuff and not getting all jacked up on cocaine. Eating cheese. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they also did that experiment with uh, sugar water sugar in water and they found that the, they had the mice and the, or the rats were doing the same thing there was this hit in the sugar water all the time and they found they was having the same effect on the brain as cocaine and that some people say that sugar is actually a stronger drug in terms of its effect on the brain than, uh, than cocaine well so, it's definitely harder to quit especially in today's yeah. age where literally everything has some form of sugar in it yeah um, um, so I want to, I didn't want to spend too much time on stuff like that. I kind of wanted to delve a little bit more into psychedelics. Um, so there's actually great work being done by, um, people like Rick Dublin of the MAPS Association, which is the multi-disciplinary multi association for psychedelic research. And that's actually one of the things that's helped um, like psilocybin mushrooms be legalized in places like um, Colorado is that it's able to change how you're able to perceive things. Um, so one of the big things that they've done with it is um, uh, PTSD with soldiers coming back from wars. Uh, and they've been doing also similar research with MDMA, commonly known as ecstasy. Um, and then there's even depression treatments that you can go and take with ketamine. Uh, ketamine, it's not horse paste, but it is used as horse tranquilizer. Um, so it's, it's really just one of those things where, like I said before, drugs are like a tool, man. You can use them to build something great. 
or destroy something great. Uh, and a, a big trend right now is people doing uh, like microdosing uh, every day. I don't know if I would recommend that. Like, again, it is changing your brain's chemistry. So that's probably not something you want to always do. Um, and that leads me to dimethyltryptamine, DMT, ayahuasca. Uh, it is actually, at this point, a multi-million dollar business, if not a multi-billion dollar business, of people going to South and Central America and spending time with shamans where they give you an ayahuasca drink, which is a mixture of DMT plant, plants that contain DMT, as well as plants that contain what's called a MAOI, which is a monoanidized oxate inhibitor, if I remember correctly, which is an enzyme in your stomach that actually breaks toxins down. Um, but one of the other things that it breaks down is dimethyltryptamine. So unless you take this SSRI with the DMT, you're not going to be able to deal any effects from it. Uh, so, but once you take dimethyltryptamine, people will tell you that you're not just high, but you're in another dimension. You're in the spirit realm. And everyone has very similar experiences. And this is, people have used it for everything from a cure for depression, um, quitting cigarettes, quitting drugs, quitting alcohol, um, anxiety, the, any number of things that ail humans and their spiritual selves. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, one idea is that it sort of gets your intellectual part of your brain out of the way so that you can, which is why you can access the spirit world because, you know, you, it leaves the sort of spiritual part of your, your being intact, but dulls down your, the bit that's the sort of voice in your head that gets in the way of things like meditation that says, you know, well, you should be going to do the shopping now, really. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's that, that, that's what I really always enjoyed about drugs is that you're able to convince your brain to do things that it wasn't previously capable of. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and a great example of this is um, a lot of important human discoveries have happened from LSD. Um, sure. So we have Francis Crick, who was a Nobel, Nobel <laughs> Prize winner, who actually first identified the double helix structure of the DNA. Um, so it's, I can't, I can't, if you don't know what a DNA uh, double helix looks like, you just have to Google it. I can't try and explain it to you, but it's something that Crick was only able to figure out thanks to LSD because it does open up your brain to perceiving information in a different way. Um, uh, and then Carrie Mollis, uh, RIP, who invented the polymerase chain reaction uh which feel as you will about it you know in 2022 uh with pcr test 
that couldn't it's it's it really is an uh, amazing breakthrough in technology and it couldn't have been possible without crick's um identification of the double helix thanks to lsd and and carrie mullis never intended that to be uh virus detection absolutely yeah that's that's all hogwash he was a good guy like it's Fauci as well to bring yeah <laughs> kind of an anti-establishment guy it really makes you wonder if he died of natural quote-unquote natural causes doesn't make yeah. me wonder <laughs> <laughs> and then i mean i'm also speaking of the lizard people uh i didn't know this until i started doing a little bit of research for for this topic um bill gates uh mentioned in a playboy article that he didn't, he wouldn't have been able to do what he did with Windows without the help of LSD. So LSD well, he, told him to steal somebody else's shit. Yeah, he ripped it all off from Xerox. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just telling you what was reported by the great orders of journalism at Playboy. I think he's just trying to be down with the cool kids. There's certainly a lot of writers and musicians that haven't made. Uh, been inspired by that i thought but, he uh, tried to sell it to xerox and they yeah, said no yeah he probably did yeah. he stole it from uh, somebody he didn't come up with it on his own but uh, yeah. Philip Pettick, a great science fiction writer who i who i love um who's behind a lot of science fiction films his stories he was uh, very famously on acid most of the time he was writing who was that philip k dick Oh, yeah, yeah. Something about electric sheep. Uh, do androids dream of electric sheep? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of became uh, Blade Runner. Oh, okay. Uh, he's also uh, Minority Report and um, what else? Quite a few films. Well, and I say, I know that I rambled on there for a few minutes, and I'm, let me, you know, I'm by no means a scientist or anything. I'm just someone that has a passion for learning the mechanisms of a brain. I've done a lot of research into it. I would say, does anyone have any questions that I might be able to answer about anything drug related? Uh, it's certainly a very interesting topic. I find it very interesting. I mean, I'm very interested in how the brain works as well. Uh, I, I think my attitude to drugs would be more like Monica Perez, another propaganda report connected illuminist uh, <laughs> in that um, not an illuminati <laughs> in that uh, I think I would prefer to go with the natural substances you know see if it's like in the like eating the coca plant like you were saying or you know the marijuana leaf or um, uh, not the ayahuasca drink I suppose is, is kind of a bit treated but the, the trouble with these pharmaceutical extractions is you, you're not getting the, the whole plant and the cofactors that your body might have evolved to deal with very well. You know, so that, um, you know, when you're drinking beer, for example, it's got alcohol in, but it's got a lot of other stuff. And, you know, we've been drinking alcoholic drinks for hundreds, or if not thousands of years. So we've, we've possibly evolved to deal with it. Whereas, you know, these new pharmaceutical drugs, uh, our body may not have seen them in quite that form before, so they might not know quite what to do with them. Well, and that goes all the way back to um, way back when, 
uh, the FDA approved a medication called Marinol, which is a basically just a, like a THC pill. Uh, and I mean, before uh, medicinal marijuana was a thing, uh, that's that's what the anti-drug crusaders would say. Like, well, there's already medicinal THC. It's this patented drug that the pharmaceutical companies own. But there's hundreds of different chemicals in the marijuana plant. And granted, thanks to the war on drugs, it has gotten to a point where some strains of marijuana are up to 50% THC by weight. Um, so back in, I'm sure, Terry's days, um, we're looking at more like a 2 to maybe 6% THC by weight because marijuana is called weed because it was literally a weed. It'll grow anywhere. Um, yeah. But over the decades, since it's not something that you can just throw a bunch of seeds out into your garden, people have started cultivating it, learning the science of how to modify. Basically, it's GMO weed. They've genet genetically modified it just by using science yeah. and nature to give it its exact conditions to grow you know, however it grows. That's how we have, you know, CBD, uh, you know, and all this other stuff because they they figured out how to make this grow opposed to this. And then... Yeah. Uh, it's so good. And, but, you know, speaking of the, the naturals, like DMT is, is has been found in the pineal gland of the brain. Um, mm -hmm. Some fascinating stuff about that is that um, it goes way way back uh symbology for the pineal gland uh hundreds if not thousands of years so they kind of knew something about that um and that's a lot of people suspect that dreams are produced by dmt near-death experiences really anything where you have some sort of subordinary you know extra vision or hallucination and uh what the, the drug companies really hate are things like Kratom and Abogaine. Um, so Kratom is actually, it hits the same receptors in your brain as opiates, but it is uh, completely natural. It grows in Southeast Asia. Um, and the FDA under Scott Gottlieb, uh, well, he's not part of the FDA anymore, but they've been going state to state trying to ban it for years and years and years. Uh, the DEA tried to add it to Schedule 1 uh, maybe a decade ago, and that was the only time they rescinded a um, recommendation for drug scheduling. That's how much blowback they had. Uh, because this, these are life-changing drugs where the, you know, Purdue will get you hooked on OxyContin, and then... This is a drug that you can take and wean yourself off of it without going through horrible withdrawals. And uh, Abogaine is a powerful, powerful hallucinogenic drug um, that I do not recommend taking medicinally or outside of a med med medical setting. Uh, and, but it actually completely dis destroys the bonds in the brain for the receptors. So if you have alcohol, benzo, cigarette, uh, whatever addiction, this is a, a substance that can instantly overnight break that addiction. 
schedule one drug schedule one meaning it has no pharmaceutical relevance yeah i've read stories on that and that but that was uh i was going to bring up the point that people have been able to get off of opiates that were addicted because they were using um kratom yes that's that's how i stopped taking fentanyl i mean granted now i'm addicted to kratom but um again like i said everything's addictive but I take probably an excessive amount from time to time. But even if I <laughs> don't take it, I just, you know, I don't sleep great at night. That's about it. Which is a wild difference from fentanyl withdrawal where you're laying on the floor flailing around in cold sweats. <laughs> yeah, very sick. I think we can agree there's an awful lot of hypocrisy associated with drugs, you know, when when they've got the majority of the people hooked on antidepressants or you know giving them statins and you know and yet making things like marijuana illegal or you know heavily controlled when they're basically natural substances yeah it's it's don't take these drugs take our drugs exactly exactly yeah because they're not gonna they're not gonna have a lifelong customer um from you smoking your own weed but they yeah. will if they put you on opiates or, um, you know, the antidepressants, things like that. I yeah. mean, you will literally die if you stop taking benzos cold turkey. The withdrawal will literally kill you. And I'm, we're, remember, we're talking about like Klonopin, Xanax. Uh, these are very commonly prescribed drugs. Very that can, common. You just basically got to go to the doctor and be like, I'm not feeling great. Can I get some Xanax? Yeah. There yeah. was a um, comedy skit about uh, John Mulaney uh, on one of his things. And he talked about um, how he went to the doctor and he found out his friend said he had like a hurt leg or something <laughs> and asked for Xanax. <laughs> so then he went and then he said to the doctor, <laughs> I've had a hard time peeing or something like that it was flying he wanted he wanted the xanax for a flight i think yeah oh i will oh recommend you can look it up it. on you can listen to it on pandora or you can look it up probably on youtube or whatever but if you find that skit it is freaking hilarious the way that he describes it and stuff like that and then when he's like um he talks about uh how like they took his blood or something first of all they did a rectal scan on him rectal thing and then they took his blood and then he passed out and then when he woke up and he was about to ask for xanax the guy the nurse was like the doctor's gone you need to go (laughs) it's closing now (laughs) well and i will personally attest to if you got a long flight pop a xanax pop take down a couple glasses of wine it's going to be the best flight of your life because you're you're going to time travel you're going to sit down and then next thing you know you're halfway across the world and you're like oh wow how did i get here Mm -hmm. but um i think we're coming up against time um does anyone else have any any comments questions concerns i'll see you I'll we see saw that. Hey, Justin. I, 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 Justin. I, 
Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, no, no, no. Sorry, Terence. I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention uh, whether Justin had seen the crazy plan that the US military had come up with to vaccinate their soldiers against fentanyl. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I didn't see that it was a, for soldiers, but I we had seen oh, that article. We made fun of it in the Discord. Yeah. For against fentanyl? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, I mean... I think I think that's kind of like calling the M- mRNA vaccines uh, a vaccine. Um, my Yay. best guess on just knowing how how uh, opiates interact with the brain is that it's something along the lines of like Suboxone or Subutex, which is um, it's the new methadone. It's what they give um, opiate addicts. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing with that is is that so methadone, you, you don't really get high off of. Um, so that's why they give it to opiate addicts because they can still, you know, supposedly they're supposed to weed off of it over time. So, so that um, they're okay. Um, and Wtex and Suboxone, it's... It's a dastardly drug, man, because what it actually does is it bonds to the opiate receptors in your brain, and it has such a strong affinity with that receptor that if you were to take heroin or something else, it doesn't let those chemicals attach to that receptor, so you're not going to get high off of it. I'm not sure the mechanisms for how it works, but I do believe that if you were to take heroin, while you're on Suboxone, you're actually going to go into withdrawals from it. The dastardly I, part is that it's more physically addicting than any other opiate on the market. Mm. So if you don't take it with the heroin withdrawals you had are going to be a hundredfold. So that's yeah. just right back to you're just hooked on their drug for life. <laughs> okay and, and did you have something you wanted to jump in with jackie i was just gonna i don't think it's necessary now i was just gonna ask you what you had kind of mentioned earlier and just ask you um what do you think were the best two to take while you were but i don't think we should um i don't think we should advertise that on here so oh never mind i checked with hr um <laughs> and they cleared it the absolute best drug I've ever taken in my life was heroin. Um, no, I didn't mean it for that. I meant for doing the naughty stuff. Oh. Um, well, obviously, it's the number one is ecstasy. It's yeah. called ecstasy for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually a lot of people have died by. So ecstasy, uh, like a lot of amphetamines, affects your blood pressure in certain areas. So you might need to take something like a Viagra to try and get functionality back. But the there's a lot of risk to mixing uh, these types of drugs. Uh, it is hell on your heart, and a lot of people have had heart attacks from it. Yikes. Uh, uh, Talking about but, X? Yeah. X, oh. X, ecstasy and Viagra. 
Well, yeah. definitely. Oh, don't do those, especially if you if you had the shot. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, you die. They, you die. They can't get the coffin lid down either. <laughs> uh, Rigor mortis, right? <laughs> but I'll say the best drug I ever tried in my life was heroin, and it was the only drug that I did a tiny little bump of it. Uh, and I laid in bed throwing up, and I was sweating profusely. And I was like, I understand why people give up their homes for heroin. <laughs> but you were, you were but sick. you enjoyed you, you were enjoyed sick when you took it? Up? Yeah, it was amazing. 10 out of 10. Wait, it made you sick and throwing up and you you're well, saying that was 10 out of 10? Just just the 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 throwing up wasn't great, but just the high that that was there. So when you when you throw up from opiates, it's in, 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 an indication that you it's an overdose. Uh, but you know, there's a range of overdoses. You know, like an overdose doesn't just mean death; it means Correct. that you took more than your body was comfortable dealing with. Um, but yeah, I was throwing up, vomiting, and sweating, and it was the best feeling I've ever felt in my life. Wow, I. In all the, in all the episodes of, of intervention that I've watched, I did not realize that it would make you sick after you took it. I thought it was with the withdrawals when people were totally ad- physically addicted. That is oh, when you would get sick. That is also true, but um, opiates in general, like if you take too much from me, you will get sick to your stomach. I mean, it's. That's that really goes for anything because throwing up is really just your body's way of expelling any toxins, you know? Right. But yeah, I, I, I did say mock like the not even once thing earlier, like heroin, probably don't even try that one. Luckily, it was for me, it was just like a one time connection. I could never make it again. So hallelujah. I'm or else I would I'd be a heroin addict today. It's that good. Hmm. Well, praise God that that's not the case, Justin, because then we wouldn't have you right now. Well, you wouldn't have the beautiful wife that you have. I trust me, me and me and God had some some talks on drugs. I'm sure. So, but yes, that's about it. I had for you. I did want to just suggest um, a couple of series. If anything I said interests you, check out uh, a series, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. It was done by Vice uh, Channel. And a more recent one, How to Change Your Mind on Netflix. Um, but I've rambled for way too long. I know we're way over time. Um, Ashley, can you tell everyone how to find us? Yes, I will. And, and I also would like to shout out to Terry because he has uh, about a five-hour time difference than us. So he is really pulling um, and burning the midnight oil for us. So thank you for doing that, Terry. He's the real trooper. He is. You are America's sweetheart, but Terry is our trooper, and we really appreciate him. Well, I hope I hope I at least made it entertaining for you. Yes. It's kind of like some kind of crazy fever dream I've been having, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) So you should. Okay, Okay, so you can find us at unionoftheunknowns.com. That is our website, and that has a link to everything else. You can email us at unionoftheunknowns at gmail.com. You can leave a voicemail for us or hate mail for Justin, and that is 404-482-3130. 
And you can also find us at Union Unknowns on Twitter. Well, I appreciate you, you, you all indulging me on my drug cast. Um, <laughs> if anyone has any questions about drugs, legal or non or pharmaceuticals, uh, join us on the Discord. I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. And thank you, everyone, for joining me uh, for, the, for the topic. And yeah, thank you, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Good job. Thanks, Justin. Have we'll a good talk, night, everyone. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye, all. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Union of the Unknowns. You can find new episodes every week on all your favorite podcasting networks. 